Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's Monday and Snowpocalypse Part 2 has happened? Perhaps. And I may right now be at home, unable to leave my home. And I wouldn't be totally upset by it. Nope. Some blankets, some coffee. Some s'mores, perhaps. Yeah. I, I need to go get some coffee, lawn? otherwise I'm not going to have any on Monday. You better. Yeah. Which, that. it's Monday right now, Pastor PJ. Yeah. Dr. Pastor PJ. That's true. So, yesteryear self, yesterday's <laughs> self, two days, three days ago self, get some coffee. Um, hey, here... Okay, just some odd oddity to kick around as we get started on this episode. So the Cowboys played yesterday, and uh, and they won. They won. Oh, wow. They're going to advance. Good job, they beat Cowboys. The, the Packers. Hey, congratulations, Dak. Yeah, go, way, to, way go. to go. Yeah, good job. Um, come to church. Uh, yes. Does God care about the victors of a, a, a sports game? <laughs> Honest question. Does God care who wins between the Cowboys and the Packers? Yes. He cares about every element of creation because he's intimately involved in it. So that, I, I laugh only because it seems like how many angels dance on the head of a pin kind of question. But I think if I could reason out my theology, I would say he has to care. It, he may not care the same way we do, so I would qualify it, but I think he does. What do you think? Should we pray for the teams that we like to win the game? I think it's a waste of prayer. Okay. But I, unless, unless there are attached elements. So, I mean, uh, we talked about this a couple op- episodes ago that there's always a million things that are happening right? that are because of this or that. You know, we, we don't understand. You know, butterfly flaps its wings here, causes a tornado and there, that kind of thing. So I'm sure there are effects that we'll never see that are related to that win or that loss. So if it's simply praying, hey, God, please, I want my team to win because I really like my team. Yep. I don't know that that's worth your utterance. But if it's something else, oh man, uh, Dak's got a sick sister, and and if uh, if he wins the game, he can donate all the you know bonus money that he's going to get to that sister. Okay, I could see that being a, a reasonable prayer request. Okay, but if it's purely for the vanity of the victor, I would say it's probably you you would pray better things. Okay, or the vanity of the fan to be able to say. Yeah, my team won. My team won. Yeah, what what would you say to that? Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. I, I don't pray for my teams to win. I I Very desire often. my teams to win, but I, I I don't pray for my teams. Are you win. telling me that you didn't pray for the Rangers to win the World Series? I, at some point in my life, I had, and <laughs> God answered that prayer, and it's hanging on my wall in my office. Right I've now. noticed so it's, it's finally, on your wall. It's on a it's mug. Framed. You got that massive tattoo yeah, on your dude, back. No, this was Pastor Ben Blakey. He uh, he sent me this mug, and it's uh, it has the roster of the team on it. Oh, and it has the the champions. That's really sweet of him, man. I'm, yeah. I'm touched for you. Uh, well, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was helpful. All right, but let's let's bring this practical because uh, you, as our our student ministry pastor, our youth pastor, and, uh, pastor. and we both have Associate kids pastor. that are athletic. Um, yeah, sports in the Christian family. Uh, we would both say, I think in in the end, I think we would both say that it would be a good thing to have genuine Christians involved in professional athletics, that, that there's a place for a witness there and Certainly. a testimony. When we think of everything that has to go into getting to that level, I've talked about this with my son quite a bit recently. When you think about that, it, it almost raises the question, is it possible to do that and to be fully committed to that level that we would hope our parents are with their their students to the local church 
In other words, having their students there at midweek youth and getting them involved and having them serve in the church and making sure that the church doesn't take a backseat to my athletic calendar. I know you've probably dealt a lot with that in California and you've mm. you've probably dealt with that some here and I know you probably will deal with that Continue. here. So what would you say to those those families uh, and how do we navigate those waters? And, and I know we're, we're painting with a broad brush and there's case by case situations, but just some general thoughts. I would start with what Jesus says um, in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I take that to be exactly what it sounds like. His kingdom is first in our lives, period. Period. That's it. Now, you could you could say that without much qualification and say, okay, let's let that be our guiding principle. And if I were going to simplify it, that would be my starting place. But I would secondly say the importance of sports in the life of a young man or young woman is uh, much dependent upon the parents, how you, how they talk about it, how they support it, or how they guide it. Uh, my guidance with my family is we are a Christian family who happens to play sports. We are not a sports family who happens to be Christians. Mm, the helpful. emphasis is on the fact that we're committed first and foremost to Christ and his kingdom, which is going to have a necessary implication for how we interact with the church. Some people will throw a flag on the play and say, well, hold on. There's nothing in the Bible that says I can't skip church to go and play this. I can't, I, you know, we can't do Wednesday nights, our youth ministry meeting night because of this other thing. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I can't give you anything that specifically says don't skip church don't or don't do this or that. But you can say the overall tone and tenor of scripture is that Jesus is always first. He's preeminent. And when you make decisions on behalf of your family to say, okay, we're going to put our church life and our walk with Christ second to fill in the blank, sports or anything else. It could be academics too. It could be a lot of things. You're you're preaching to your child what really matters to you. And I would say that's a very powerful preaching moment for you. And conversely, if you say, hey, we're, we're not going to go to the practice because we have church. I'm, I'm going to send you to your youth group on Wednesday night because I value that for you. That's much more important than any kind of uh, academic or athletic accolade that you could receive on this planet. So I think the biggest problem for me, the uh, biggest thing to think about, not a problem, is what are you preaching to your kids? Yeah. And if you're preaching one way, you should not expect them to think a different way later on down the line. So what are you preaching? Yeah, that's super helpful. Yeah, and, and at, at minimum, parents, you should be communicating to your kids that that your identity as a Christian family, they're going to miss out on some things that their friends get to do because of what it means to follow Jesus. But they're also going to benefit from some it's other better. things. better. Yeah. This is better. It's it's better. Not just better eternally even. Like there are some, some awesome things totally. that your students are going to be able to be a part of, relationships that they're going to be able to form, memories that they're going to be able to have on retreats and other things like that. Um, and, and, and it's, it is better. It is better. And it, it's better in the long run, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be those times that, that you as a family are going to make decisions to say no to some things that their friends, all their families are going to be saying yes to. Yeah. And it's, it's probably good that even when they're young, y'all, you start preaching that when they're young yeah. so that by the time it hits and you do have to make those decisions to say, you know what, we're not, not going to do that then yeah, they're not shocked by That's that. the way they've been living. Yep. Yeah, the the uh, important thing for you, and I guess this, this Pastor PJ, this is a great thing to bring up, but the church quality. Some people are like, well, I don't trust my pastors. I don't I don't want to bring them to the, the youth pastor. They're just going to eat peanut butter out of their ears or whatever and do something strange and weird. This is why finding a good church is such a big deal. Yep. Having a church where you, you trust the pastors, you trust the leadership, you know what they're teaching, that's going to make an impact as well. So I could, I could, I could see some families saying, well, you don't know my church, you right. don't know our situation. Okay, there's, there's always exceptions to the rule. But the general rule of thumb is 
get yourself plugged into a good church, do body life together, do life together, period, yeah. and, and let God work on your kids. Yeah, and, and on that front, you heard me talk about this at uh, a church yesterday morning, but I just want to double down on it here in the podcast. This youth retreat that we have coming up at the end of the month here in January, if, if you parents are listening to this and you have students in junior high or high school, can I, I, I just want to exhort you as your lead pastor here, get them to that retreat. It's, it's a, a better investment than whatever else X, Y, or Z is on the table. Um, there's room for you get to get them signed up. There's still time for you to get them signed up for that retreat. If this is a financial obstacle, again, like I said yesterday, reach out to us and, and we'll meet with you. We'll talk through that. We want your students there. Pastor Rod is preparing messages for this that are going to be uh, just impactful and, uh, and transformative for your students. I know when we were in California, God used retreats like this in so many lives to uh, change, change and transform those lives for eternity. And sometimes in the moment and other times, you know, six months, a year from then, they're looking back at, at the messages that they heard at a retreat like this one that we have coming up at the end of the month. And that's what God is using because it's the pebble in the shoe, the burn in the saddle that he's going to use to draw them to faith in Christ. So get them there at the, the retreat at the end of the month. It is, uh, it is well worth your time and investment. Yeah, thanks for that encouragement. Yeah. Hey, Job 40 uh, through 42, let's finish up the book. Wow. Yeah, first book finished. You may have thought, ah, we're going to finish Genesis first. And then it was like, psych! Jinx. That's crazy. We didn't even... Yeah. It's because we grew up at the same time. We did. We did. Hey, Job 40 uh, it begins with kind of the, the conclusion and in, in it's a, an indictment. Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. And, and Job, okay, message received, verses three through five. Job answers and he said, I'm, I'm, I am a small man. What can I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I'm, I've spoken, I, but I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to say anything else. I get it. And, and yet God's like, wait a minute, I'm not done yet. I've got more. And, uh, and so he, he introduces the second round, much like he did the first round by saying, hey, dress for action. We didn't mention that yesterday, but um, it, basically it's, it's get ready for work. Gird your loins is the concept. It, it was get ready to do work because I'm about to put you through the paces by asking you all these questions here. And he, he begins to, to question Job's challenges of him. Will you put me in the wrong? Verse eight, will you condemn me so that you could be right? Uh, what a question that is, right? I mean, when when we are angry with God, when we feel like, man, God, you have wronged me, that's basically what we're saying is, God, I'm right, you're wrong. And in the vacuum, we probably would never, ever say that. But yet, when we're responding in the emotion of the moment, man, that is when it's going to be uh, difficult for us uh, to, 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 to keep in mind, hey, he's God, we're not. Um, he goes on and then challenges and really just lays out his strength in these chapters. He talks about two animals here, the behemoth in, in the first part in the Leviathan. And we talked about these in, in uh, last year's DBR podcast. But uh, just to revisit it a little bit, um, there's uh, some speculation, a lot of speculation about what kind of animals these were. The behemoth in verses 15 through 24 of Job uh, chapter 40, a smaller amount of time given to this animal. A lot of people consider this is probably a hippopotamus. They think uh, there's the section there that talks about its tail. And so some have said, well, I don't know if that really uh, fits with a hippopotamus. But the rest of it, they're, they're saying it, it seems to be a river animal, massive animal. Uh, it, it eats grass like an ox. It, it fits with this concept of a hippopotamus. There were hippopotami, uh, I think, uh, in that region. Hippopotamuses. That's how the Christmas song says it. Hippopotamus. Uh, I want hippopotamuses. Hippopotamusin. Hippopotami. Anyways, they were them, and uh, they were there uh, during this time in that region. So it's possible. It's very possible. And then you get the Leviathan in chapter 41. <laughs> and man, this thing, we talked about it last time. Is this a dragon? Pastor Rod, you've had 
like another three months to to reconsider this position. What do you think? Is this a dragon? I don't think so. Okay. I don't. I, and, you and think there, he's just sneezing? I, <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I have thought about it. And at the end of the day, I have to conclude, like there's, there's just even biblical evidence. If you're going to say, okay, is there any possibility that this mythic, mythological creature existed? This is one of the few texts that we could look at and say possibly. Right. But I, I, I have to think that what, what the author is doing here is just painting a picture. The whole thing. It's a whole book about poetry. There's symbolism. It's, there's hyperbole. I, I think the idea here is just to paint a picture of a... A large, imposing creature that's ferocious, terrifying, and Job, can you handle that, dude? Probably right. not. Okay, then take a seat, son. Take right. a seat. Stand back. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, the the sneezing reference, verses 18 through 21. This is where we get the, the language that has led some to say, I, this seems a lot like a dragon. And some have said, well, the sneezing, the the, the water particles, because it's a sea creature of some sort. Yeah. That's, that's evident. Poetic description of right. him spouting water out of the water, and against the sunlight, it right. looks like it's fire. Or smoke or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that's where that comes from. But yeah, to Pastor Rod's point, two massive creatures. The question is, Job, can you control them? Are you, are you able to do that? Can you domesticate these dudes? Right. And clearly the answer is no. Yeah. The answer is no. Even now, hippopotamuses are still some of the most terrifying creatures on the planet. And some of the goofiest looking creatures. They on the are planet. the funniest looking ones. Yeah. But they're also extre- extremely strong, really fast. Yeah. And they can crush you like a bug. Yeah. You mentioned going to the zoo uh, with your family. And, and uh, sometimes on Instagram, I look at pictures of the zoo. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's basically the same thing. It's the same thing. But there's this one account that always shows people feeding the hippopotamuses. And they must love pumpkins because it's always a pumpkin or a watermelon that they're feeding this massive animal and its mouth just jaws. opens wide yeah. and it takes the whole thing and just crutches it like it's nothing yeah. like it's a cracker and, and then they're like gone. hey volunteers to put your head in his mouth right <laughs> I'll, it's like, do it. Ah, pass. I'll do it do you not trust the lord uh, get in the wheelbarrow uh yeah no is it a calvinistic <laughs> zoo is that what's happening here <laughs> yes it is it's a calvinistic zoo <laughs> is this your zoo let's do, let's do that the let's zoo of sovereignty yes sovereign zoo of the lord it's by awesome. pastor pj dr pastor pj every pen will be lined with tulips wow yep 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 i see that yep there it is man my mind's starting to wander. I need to stop. Let's come back. Uh, Job chapter 42 then, as the book ends, I mentioned Job gets gets it and then he got it some more <laughs> after God uh, put him in his place again. And, and so in 42, one through six, um, Job repents finally. But what's interesting is he doesn't, he's not specific of what he's repenting of. Uh, we don't we don't get that. He acknowledges who God is. He repeats a lot of the same arguments and summarizes a lot of the same arguments that praise God and, and indict himself. And then it just ends in verse six by saying, therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Uh, he doesn't say I'm repenting of this. I'm repenting of that. And so this is not Job saying my friends were right. I did all of these wrong things. It seems that what Job is repenting of here is his wrong attitude about his situation and his suffering. What did you say? Verse three is kind of that idea here. Therefore I've uttered what I didn't understand things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the idea. I think he's getting at the point you're making. Yeah. The tone. I I was wrong in the way that I approached this. I didn't even know what I was talking about. I should just shut up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The word despise there in verse six is strong uh, and it's, it's translated that way. It can also mean I reject, uh, I refuse, I, I refuse myself, right? I mean, that's what he's doing here. He's saying, I, I realize this is no longer about me. It's not about me and my sense of justice and my sense of what's right and wrong and my expectations of what should happen. And so that's, that's the concept there in verse six. 
But then in verses seven through nine, uh, God says to the three friends who are probably slinking away, <laughs> trying to get out of the lacrosse areas <laughs> as, qu- as quickly as possible. Uh, not so fast, friends, there. And he, he lights them up. Uh, my, my anger burns against you. We talked about Elihu, the burning man. Well, here's God. Uh, my anger burns against you and against your, your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So Job is vindicated by God here. In some, Why is he talking to Eliphaz? The oldest, okay. perhaps. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, right. yeah representing just the, the, the time, the, yeah. the patriarchal period. Yeah, and then uh, the Lord, in the end of the book, restores Job's fortunes, and he blesses Job again. And this is an encouraging end of the book, but it's important that we remember this is not the end of everybody's story who suffers. This is the end of Job's story, but that doesn't mean this is going to be the end of your story. If you are walking through the valley, if you are suffering, if you've undergone, if you feel like, man, I can empathize with Job, I know what this is like, uh, the, the, the worst takeaway from this could for you would be, well, God's going to restore my life to the, the fortunes that I once had or the fortunes that I want, and so I just need to wait on that. It may never come. It may never come. You may die in your suffering. Uh, and that restoration, I, I should say this, it may never come here. Right. The blessings and the restoration will come, but that won't necessarily be here. And so uh, God does so for Job, but may not do so for everyone. And so our hope can't be here and now. Our hope has to be fixated on God's ultimate plan for us then and there. And I think that's ultimately the point of the book of Job. There's inscrutable wisdom that God possesses that we will never reach the ends of. This life or eternity will never reach the bottom of God's bucket of holiness and wisdom and wonder which is comforting. So no matter what happens in this life, and that's not to diminish or demean the painful situations that we encounter, it's to say, well, our hope is not here. Yeah. If this is your best life now, as someone once said, it's because your next life is hell. Right. Therefore, for most Christians, this is, well, no, for every Christian, actually, I take that back. For every Christian, this is not our best life. Right. So we shouldn't expect it to be. Right. And if things are good and, and our life is relatively free of lots of pain and heartache, then we praise God for that. But that doesn't mean that that will always be the case. Right. Let your hope be in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Yeah, what a good message to end the book of Job on. Hey, keep reading your Bibles and join us tomorrow as we get back into Genesis. Wow. Bye. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.